So Hebrews 11 and Genesis chapter 12. And this is a, a series we're going through looking at these heroes of our faith. We call it the Hall of Faith, or I didn't call it that. Somebody else called it that, but a lot of people call that, this chapter that. And tonight we're looking, uh, starting in verse 9, and we're starting to look at Abraham. And Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he says that what happened before in the Old Testament happened as an example for us, and it was written down for our instruction. And so all of these, these people, they lived out lives as an example, and, and it was written down, their stories of their life were, were written down to instruct us on how to live for the Lord, what it looks like to have a, a, a life of faith and, and to live faithful unto the Lord. Now, of course, the, the beginning of this chapter opens with the definition of faith. And he says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And while it is a little bit difficult to wrap our minds around that, that faith is the conviction of what we don't see, what isn't difficult is to understand how faith manifests. And so we've been looking at this week in and week out that faith manifests by confident obedience to God's word in spite of circumstances, consequences, or outcomes. The manifestation of faith, what, 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 when faith becomes visible, and when your faith becomes visible, it will become visible when you act on God's word in confident obedience, no matter what is happening around you, no matter what the circumstances or the consequences or what you perceive the outcome to be. And so tonight we're starting in verse 8, and we're looking at verses 8 through 12, these five verses from Hebrews chapter 11 tonight. And he writes, he says, by faith, everybody say, by faith. Thank you. Abraham obeyed. And again, here, here we're seeing this definition of faith, right? Confident obedience to the word of God. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise, for he was looking forward to a city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of the heavens and as many as the immeasurable grains of sand by the sea shore. Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, speak to us tonight. Speak to our hearts. Uh, help us to know how to live our faith, how to, to be faithful to you, how, what it looks like to, to, to live faithfully as your people in 2022 in San Antonio, Texas. That is our heart's desire, to know you, to love you, to serve you, and to be faithful unto you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
I've got three ideas, three points for us tonight from these uh, three by faiths. So three times in our passage, it says by faith. Everybody say by faith. And so I've got three ideas, three points from these three by faiths. And the first is that living by faith leads you into the unknown. Living by faith leads you into the unknown. Now, after I had already written my notes and printed my, my or written the sermon and print, printed the notes, I realized that Into the Unknown is a Disney song from uh, the movie Frozen, uh, and I didn't have time to come up with another point, but if that helps you remember it, then that's fine as well. Uh, but anyway, living by faith, it will lead you into the unknown. And here we see that this is exactly what happened to Abraham in verse 8. By, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. I want to flip over to uh, Genesis chapter 12 uh, quickly tonight. Genesis 12. And look at the story of when God called Abraham. The whole human race up until Abraham really had been one disaster after another. Uh, Noah was a bright spot. But Noah quickly after he... Uh, lived for God for 120 years and built the ark and um, helped the whole human race survive the flood, he very quickly uh, sort of disqualified himself and um, planted a vineyard and got drunk uh, very quickly. And I think he just had seen enough and uh, it, was, it was just maybe he had some PTSD from the flood or something and Anyway, but even after Noah, there's, there's the command goes out to go into all the world and, and to multiply, that, that humanity would multiply on the face of the earth. And the people rebel against God. And in uh, Genesis 11, they, they build the Tower of Babel and they build their own kingdom, not God's kingdom. And they decide that they can save themselves and climb up to God essentially in their own human efforts. Uh, what we see in Genesis 11 is the seeds of humanism, uh, a religion that is still very popular today. Nevertheless, Genesis 12 is a turning point in the story of the disaster that humanity had been up to this point. And it was God calling Abraham, Abraham who would be the, the founder of the faith, the patriarch of the faith, the, the prototype of a man of faith. And Abraham walked with God in a way that was never seen before. And then through Abraham and his family, the children of Israel, come the Messiah, Jesus Christ, who is the Savior of all mankind. And so Genesis 12 really is the, the starting point of, of something new in the story for humanity. And it says here that now the Lord said to Abram, his name was Abram at this point, go out from your country and from your kindred and from your father's house 
to the land that I will show you. And I will bless you and make you a great nation. And I will bless you, your name and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those that bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And so God speaks to Abraham. He calls him. He gives this great calling to him. And, and then in verse 4, we see the result. It says, so Abram went out as the Lord had told him with Lot. And Lot, his, his nephew, went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took his wife Sarah and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions and all that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they went out into the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through and had some dealings with the Canaanites. And, but what I want you to see here is that God spoke to Abraham. Abraham heard God's voice. Abraham heard God's call. He believed it. And then he took action. He heard the voice of the Lord. Now, we don't know how the Lord spoke to him, if it was an audible voice, if it was the internal voice of the Holy Spirit. We don't know how God spoke to Abraham. But what we do know is that God did speak to Abraham and that Abraham believed God. He believed God's word. And if you, there is, if you believe God's word, you have to act on it. There's no believing God's word and then not doing anything about it. You can't say that Abraham believed God's word if he would have stayed put where he was. That unbelief and disobedience go together. Faith and belief and obedience go together. And so he heard God's word, he believed God's word, and then he took action on God's word. And it tells us that it took him out into a place, Hebrews 11 says, to a place that he did not know where he was going. Now, Abraham didn't have GPS in those days. And so he couldn't punch in where he was going. Even if he had GPS, he couldn't have punched in where he was going because he didn't know where he was going. All he was doing was following God step by step. And likewise, when we follow God, when we surrender our life to him, we surrender our plans to God. We surrender control to God. We don't know exactly how it's going to go. God doesn't give us the, 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 how every single path and how every instance and situation will go when we start walking with God by faith. He doesn't tell us that. And in fact, sometimes it can feel very risky as we begin to take those steps of faith with God. But what faith does is faith places our lives in God's hands. We place our life in God's hands. And we choose to obey God and we choose to obey his word. And then God does his part. But it, 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 it always begins with this unknown this leading by God into places that are uncomfortable, to places that are unfamiliar. But I want to show you, I want to highlight something for you. It's just how many times that God says to Abraham, I will. I will. Look at this again in Genesis 12. He tells Abraham, go out from your country and from your kindred to your father's house, to the land 
I will show you. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you. I will curse and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Faith puts our life in God's hands. But God promises what? To never leave us or forsake us? That he will provide for us? That he will take care of us? That is God's promise to us. That he will work all things together for our good. Amen. Skip down to verse 7 of chapter 12. The Lord appeared to Abram again and said, To your offspring I will give this land. Flip over to chapter 13 of Genesis Chapter 13, verse 15. Chapter 13, verse 15. God makes a promise. For all the land that you see, I will give you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth. Verse 17. Arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, and I will give it to you. If you flip over to chapter 17, we have another set of five I wills, five of these I will promises that God was making to Abraham. Abraham, Abram who stepped out in faith. Chapter 17, verse 5, God tells Abraham, no longer shall your name be called Abram. Now your name shall be called Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. He changes his name. Now, he didn't have any kids yet. Abraham was childless. But he tells, he tells Abraham, I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make you into nations and kings shall come from you. Verse 7 of chapter 17. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant. Verse 8, I will give to you and your offspring after you the land of your sojournings and the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession. And I will be their God. Listen, when we step out in faith with God, we put our life in his hands. And let me tell you something, God is a God who is able to act on behalf of his children. We don't put our life into the hands of an impotent God. We don't put our life into the hands of a God who is weak, who is powerless. We put our life into the hands of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who is mighty to save, who exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think, he is able. Amen. And what we need to do as God's people is take those steps of faith knowing that our outcome of life is in his hands. Now you might be sitting here thinking, well, that was really nice. God made all these promises to Abraham. But what about me? What about my life? Listen, the, the good news is that the blessings of the covenant that God made with Abraham, they apply to us. Because we have been grafted in to the family of Abraham. The Bible says that all of the promises find their yes and amen in Jesus Christ. And so through faith in Christ, all of the promises that God has made to his people, they apply to us. And so we can grab a hold of these for ourselves as we have to take those steps of faith into 
the unfamiliar, into the unknown, into the place where we may even feel uncomfortable, outside of our comfort zone. Listen, if you only live and act in where you feel comfortable, you know what you're living and acting in? The flesh. You're counting on, on your strength if you only exist in where you're comfortable, in where you feel good. That's the flesh. But if we're going to live a life of the Spirit with the power of the Spirit, we must live a life of faith, and it will lead us into places that are unknown and are uncomfortable where we have to trust in God, where we have to trust in God. The first point, living by faith leads you into the unknown. Let's flip back to uh, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 9. We're going to look at the second point here tonight. Verse 9 and 10, it says, By faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has its foundations, whose designer and builder is God. The second point tonight is that living by faith requires personal sacrifice. Living by faith requires personal sacrifice. God called Abraham out of what was familiar to him. And it tells us that he lived the rest of his life in tents. Now, I've, how many of you have been camping before? How many of you enjoy camping? I kind of enjoy camping for about 36 hours. And then I'm, I'm ready to get back to some running water. I'm ready to find a toilet. I'm, I'm ready to get some electricity. I like the refrigerator. You know, point me in to the nearest drive-thru, okay? Like, like there, there's certain comforts, but I mean, Abraham had to live the rest of his life in a tent. He couldn't build a house. Why? Because God was leading him and directing him all over the place. He had to be able to pack up and move because he was living in land that didn't belong to him. He was claiming it by faith, but he didn't own it. And so wherever he was, he had to be, live according to the, the good grace, graces of the people that owned that land. He was a sojourner. For the rest of his life, he lived in a tent. That is a personal sacrifice. Amen. He, he, but he was willing to make it because he believed God. He believed the promise of God. Abraham was willing to forego a life of comfort to follow God. He left his family behind. He left his country behind. He left his security behind. He left his own culture, the, the people that he was familiar with behind. He left his own people behind to live in a tent as a nomad, as a stranger in a foreign land and with a foreign people. Listen, to live by faith, to follow God by faith, the call of God that's on your life, that's on every single one of our lives, whatever it is, we're going to have to let go of some things. I don't know what's up with me and frozen references tonight, but you're going to have to let it go, let it go. 
it's just for the kids tonight. To follow God, to live a life of faith, you're going to have to let go of some things. You have to let go of some things. You have to let go of some hurts of the past. You're going to have to let go of what some people did to you before. And guess what? We've all been hurt. We've all been hurt. Let it go. Move on. Don't, th this whole idea that you have to harbor onto the hurts of the past for the rest of your life and that that somehow identifies who you are. What a miserable way to live and exist. And much less to harbor the hurts and the sins that were done against your ancestors 200, 300, 1,000 years ago. What a horrible way to live. What a, what a miserable existence. Listen, that's, in fact, a very demonic way of thinking because Jesus came to set the captives free, to set you free from the past. Listen, we all have hurts in the past. Listen, we all have people in our past who were oppressed, ancestors who were murdered. I'm not going to live in that. I'm going to live in the destiny that God has for me because I'm part of his kingdom. Amen? So you got to let some things go. There's freedom in Christ, freedom from the past. Walk in forgiveness. We're called, we're commanded to forgive one another. To forgive. If you are harboring unforgiveness in your heart towards anyone, guess what that is? That's sin that needs to be repented of. All unforgiveness that you harbor is sin. We are called and commanded by the word of God to forgive. If you're not walking in forgiveness, you are walking in sin. We got to let go of some things. We got to lay some things down. The writer of Hebrews will later say at the end of this chapter that we need to lay down or I'm sorry, in the beginning of chapter 12, he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, this hall of faith, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so easily and closely to us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Listen, these things, the hurts of the past that you're holding on to, all they're going to do is slow you down in the race that God has for you to run. That's all they're going to do. we got to lay some things down. He, he says to lay down sin that's clinged so closely to us. Is there some sin in your life, some pet sin that you've been harboring, that you've been nursing, that you've been holding on to? Lay it at the foot of the cross. Surrender it to the Lord. It's only slowing you down. You may have to lay some things aside that aren't necessarily sinful. They're just distractions. They're just not edifying. They're, they're just wastes of time. And listen, in the 21st century, we have no shortage of things to waste our time. And let me tell you, there are thousands of people tonight, right at this very moment, that are devising new and creative ways to serve up to you for how you can waste your time. There's all kinds of apps and all kinds of games and all kinds of little trivial things that aren't necessarily sinful, 
but they don't produce anything worthwhile. They don't produce any kind of lasting fruit. And it could be that for you to move forward in your step with God, it could be that your next step of faith is to lay down some of those things that they're just a distraction. They're just not going to take you to the destination that God has for you in your life of faith. Living a life of faith requires personal sacrifice. And so what has God called you? What is God calling you to lay down? To put, to put aside. Following Jesus will cost you something. It will cost you. There's no, there should be no confusion in this. Uh, I'm going to flip over to Luke chapter 14 quickly. I just want to read uh, the words of our Lord. I don't have a lot of time to uh, expound on it. But I, I think that his words are clear enough. Luke chapter 14, verse 25. It says, now great crowds accompanied him. Okay, so Jesus is, is doing signs. He's doing miracles. He's, he's feeding the hungry, he's opening blind eyes, he's raising the dead, he's healing the lame, he's walking on water, he's doing all kinds of stuff. So people are following him. People are interested in this. This this is curious to them. So great crowds now are showing up around Jesus. And he turns to the crowds and says to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. What Jesus is saying here is if you put anyone or anything above me, you're not following me. He says even yourself, even your own life, Jesus has to be number one. Jesus will not settle for second place in anyone's life. He goes on to say, verse 27, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if he is not able, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So, so therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Now, these are not my words. These are the words of our Lord Jesus. If we claim to follow Christ, by definition, we have renounced everything unto him. 
We have given everything unto Him, even our lives. And so there may be times and seasons in our lives where the Lord tells us, you got to let go of this. you got to let, let, let this go. you got to lay this down. You, you have to make personal sacrifices to live a life of faith, to walk with the Lord. And so what is it that the Lord has asked you to lay down? What is it that the Lord is asking you to lay down? Oftentimes what stops us in the call of God on our lives, and we're all called by God as believers. We all have a call of God on our life. What stops us in that call are the things that we are unwilling to lay down. What stops our progress, what stops our forward momentum is the things, maybe the relationships, whatever it is that we are unwilling to let go of. A big one is pride. What will people think about me? We gotta let, you got to let go of pride if you're going to follow God. People are going to think all kinds of crazy things about you when you follow Jesus. What do you think people thought about Abram when he showed up and they called him Abram? And he said, oh, actually, my name's Abraham now. Don't call me exalted father. Call me the father of many nations now, even though I have no kids even though I'm 99. No, no, it's not Abram anymore. It's Abraham. What do you think people thought about him? They thought he had lost his mind. It's exactly what they thought, but it doesn't matter what people are going to think. We got to recognize that living by faith will require some personal sacrifice. That leads us to our third point where we see Sarah's faith put on display in verse 11. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of the heaven and as many of the sands of the seashore. I want to flip over uh, to Genesis 18 and look at Sarah's uh, story a little bit. This passage in Genesis 18 is 24 years after God called Abraham, Abram and told him that he was going to be the father of many nations. 24 years had gone by and Sarah had not conceived. In fact, at the 10-year mark on this journey, she sort of gave up. She gave up. As a 75-year-old woman, she said, Abraham, I've had enough of this life of faith trying to have a baby with me. Why don't you have a baby with uh, our servant girl here? And to which Abraham turned from his 75-year-old wife and looked at his 20-year-old servant girl and said, yeah, I think that's a good idea. I think think you heard from the Lord, Sarah. And fathered a baby, Ishmael, with uh, Hagar. And so Sarah, at, at, at one point, after about 10 years of this journey, she decided it wasn't going to happen for her. 
But the Lord, his plan was not over for Sarah. Even though it looked like it was dead, even though it looked like it was not going to be fulfilled the way she had dreamed and the way she had hoped, God here comes and shows up 14 years after she had given her husband to another woman. And in verse 9, the Lord appears to Abraham and visits with him. And then he says to Abraham, Abraham, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, she is in the tent. And the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. Uh, Abraham is about 99 at this point. Sarah, 89 at this point. Advanced in years, and the way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. She, she could not have a baby. It was not physically possible for her to have a baby anymore. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out, she's 89. She can call herself worn out if she wants. After I am worn out, and my Lord, speaking of Abraham, is old, shall I have pleasure? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child? Now that I am old, is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it and said, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. But he said, the Lord said, no, but you did laugh. And then the Lord names the child. He tells Abraham what he is to name his son. His son is to be named Isaac, which means laughter. And by him naming Isaac laughter, it shows us that God always gets the last laugh uh, in every situation. But Sarah's doubt is her reaction. It, it, it's natural. Okay, she's 89. They've been trying this thing for a long time, and the well has dried up. It is not going to happen. And she goes on to say, will I now have pleasure when my Lord is old and I am worn out? Now, I know some of you are wondering what she means by that. Of course, she's talking about the pleasure of bearing a child, of, of having a child in the womb, of feeling that first kick. Of course, she's thinking of the pleasure of holding her own baby in her own arms and thanking God for the fulfillment of his promise. And if you're thinking of something else, well, God bless you and God forgive you tonight. Nevertheless, the question that the Lord asks Sarah, we need to keep in mind, is anything too hard for the Lord? The answer, of course, is no. Is no. And so because nothing is too hard for the Lord, nothing is too hard for our God, 
we should hold on to God's promises by faith. Hold on by faith. We hold on to the promise until our faith becomes sight, until we see it with our own eyes. We should not give up, but we should press on in faith. I know one of the things that many of you have been believing God for for many, many, many years is the salvation of your loved ones. Maybe the salvation of your children or the salvation of your siblings or the salvation of your family or the salvation of your parents or grandparents. Don't give up. Continue on in faith. Continue praying. Continue interceding. Did you know prayer in and of itself is an act of faith? Hold on to the promises of God. Because as the Lord tells Sarah, at the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year and you will have a son. Listen, I believe that there is an appointed time for the the miraculous of God, for the fulfillment of God's promise, for the fulfillment of, of what God has declared. Abraham didn't know that it was gonna take 25 years before the promise was fulfilled. But he held on to it in faith. And then Sarah believed God. And we know that she believed God. How do we know? Because she had a baby. And I don't want to take time to explain all the birds and the bees this morning, uh, this evening, but what it means is that she got on board with uh, this idea that she was going to have a baby. She believed it. She believed God's word. And she made herself available to be used by God. And God with, with, saw Abraham's faith and her faith. And at the appointed time, some 25 years later, he fulfilled his promise. But God is the one who determines the times and the seasons of our lives. We would just love it if the story would say, and God called Abraham and he lived happily ever after. But that's not the way it goes. That's not the way it goes. And how boring of a story would that be? That's not how life is. As we walk with God, there's good days, there's bad days, there's ups and downs, there's victories, and then there's defeats. And then there's rising up in strength and the power of the Spirit and moving forward. God is the one who determines the times and the seasons of our lives. There's an appointed time for the miracle. There's an appointed time for the breakthrough. Just because we have been waiting in faith and have not received what we're believing for, it doesn't mean that we should lose heart or lose faith. There is an appointed time. God does things on his own timetable in his own way. And faith means trusting in him even when our circumstances would tell us otherwise. The promise of God is that we should not lose heart for in due season we will reap if we don't give up, if we do not faint. That there is a harvest of the impossible, of God moving and doing what only he can do. It's impossible for a hundred-year-old man and 90-year-old woman to father a child. But God makes the impossible possible when we step out and believe him in faith. Amen. When we live by faith, God does what only he can do. God moves in a way that only he 
can move. Through Isaac, the, the son of the promise, the, the, the son who brought so much joy and laughter, through Isaac, a new humanity is taking shape. Isaac is a miracle baby. It is, it is the miraculous entering into humanity. A new, a new nation is being formed. A new people is being formed who fear and serve the Lord. And this miracle birth, this miracle baby, will culminate in the ultimate miracle birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. It has its end and fulfillment in Jesus through which we all are born again into the kingdom of God. And this is what God used Abraham and Sarah's faith to unleash on the world, the kingdom of God, the family of God, salvation by grace through faith, forgiveness of sins. God is restoring, God is saving, God is healing today through faith, through acts of faith. So living by faith leads you into the unknown. Living by faith requires personal sacrifice. And living by faith produces the impossible. So the question I want to leave you with tonight is what is God calling you to do? God called Abraham out of his country, away from his family, out into an unknown place. He made a promise to him. What is God calling you to do? I want to run through a list of, of some things that people struggle with in their faith. Maybe God is speaking to you tonight along these, one of these areas. One of the things people struggle to trust God in is in their finances, in their giving. They struggle to, to put God to the test, to, to trust God in, in, in ordering and structuring their finances according to God's word. Remember, faith manifests. How does it manifest? In confident obedience to the word of God. And so we as God's people are instructed on how to order and to structure our finances. And one of those areas is in giving, is in being charitable, is in being a cheerful giver, in, in tithing and in, in setting apart 10% of, of, of our of our income and, and devoting it as unto the Lord as a first fruit offering unto the Lord. Not as a ceiling for our giving, but as a good base and floor for our giving. If you're struggling in this area, let me encourage you, put your faith to the test. Watch how God will provide for you with, with, with what you have left over more than then he'll make it go further than, than if you didn't give at all. I've seen it over and over and over and over again in my life, and I know you will see the same in giving and tithing and offerings and in missions giving. You know, we had our missions conference a few weeks ago. I thank God that $77,000 was pledged for missions at our missions conference. That's awesome. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap for that. Well, we have, those are pledges. We have to be faithful in that. And that takes a step of faith. So maybe God's challenging you, calling you to, to step out in faith in that area of your finances. Another area is in relationships. 
oftentimes people struggle with this idea of, of ordering and structuring their, their relationships, even friendships or romantic relationships, according to God's word. The Bible tells us not to be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Many times people, they, 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 they do not trust God to bring them uh, the, the, the person that God has for them, and, and they will enter into a relationship with an unbeliever. Maybe you're, you're not living a life of, of using your body to glorify God. As God has defined a human sexuality to be expressed only within the confines of marriage. Refraining from that until you are married is a way of walking in obedience. It's a manifestation of your faith in God. Maybe you are harboring unforgiveness or bitterness. Maybe you're angry against some people. You need to walk in forgiveness. That's a step of faith. Because you're, you're, you're saying, God, I'm going to trust in you in this circumstance. And it's not going to be my job to make it right. I'm going to trust you to make it right. And again, all of these are looking at what God's word says and then putting it into action in our lives. That's faith. Maybe the Lord's been calling you to, to witness to someone, to share your faith with someone. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a family member. It's time to take that step of faith. It's time to act on that. You say, I don't know the words to speak. I, I, I don't know how all the, what all is going to happen. I know. But guess what? Walking by faith is going to you, lead you into what? Into the unknown. Into areas and places that you don't feel comfortable. But guess what? In those places where we're uncomfortable, in the unknown, where we're making a sacrifice, that is where God shows up. And where God works the impossible, where he does what only he can do. Maybe the Lord's been leading you to begin praying with your spouse or praying with your children. Having family time uh, around the word of God in your home. Maybe he's calling you to start a Bible study somewhere. Maybe at work with some co-workers or at school with your classmates or in your home. It's going to feel uneasy when you take those steps of faith. But what is God calling you to do? you got to step out. You have to be willing to let go of some things to walk with the Lord. What is God calling you to do? Put your faith in Christ and submit to him and walk in faith and obedience. There was one time in my life where every time I prayed, I felt the Lord drop into my spirit to do one thing, one certain specific thing. Every time I prayed. Every time. And guess what? I didn't want to do that thing. And so for almost an entire year, I just said, oh, that's my imagination. Oh, that's just me. But every single time I prayed... Not thinking about this situation, not thinking about whatever. The Lord put that on my heart every single time. I didn't want to do it. It got to the point where I'm like, I'm just not going to pray anymore because I'm just, you know, I just didn't want to do it. And finally, I said, if, I've, if apparently if I'm ever going to make progress in my walk with the Lord, if, if ever I, I'm going to 
to, to, to move on from this place, I'm going to have to obey what the Lord's put on my heart to do. I eventually did it, and it was painful, and I didn't enjoy it, and um, I wish I didn't have to walk through that, but nevertheless, the Lord put it on my heart to do, and as soon as I did, I started making progress again in my walk with the Lord. There's another time in my life where um, I bumped into somebody I hadn't seen in about 15 years, and this was somebody that I had wronged, I had sinned against. And believe it or not, I know that's shocking. And I saw this person and, you know, hadn't seen him in 15 years and, uh, you know, was talking to them. Hey, it's good to see you, blah, blah, blah. And immediately the Lord puts in my heart, you need to repent, confess your sin and ask for forgiveness. Oh, God, it was 15 years ago. Certainly, certainly that's all water under the bridge. And the Lord just kept pressing it into my heart. And so we have to step out in faith. And so I did, and we cried and hugged it out, and God brought healing in our hearts. It's the unknown. It's the uncomfortable. It's the sacrifice. But we have to, we have to let go of some things. We have to lay some things down. Guess what? Sarah argued with God. I'm not going to have a baby. Can I have a baby? Moses argued with God. God, take my brother Aaron. He, he's a better orator. Remember Ananias when, when Paul was blinded and God appeared to Ananias in Acts chapter 9? Hey, go lay your hands on Saul. He's my chosen vessel to take the gospel to the Gentiles. Ananias says, uh, Lord, I think you've got the wrong Ananias. Uh, maybe... You mean the other Ananias. And nevertheless, he surrendered. We have to stop arguing with the Lord. Stop arguing with the Lord. He knows what is best. Amen? So what is the Lord asking you to do? Maybe it's something you need to lay down. Something you need to lay aside. Somebody that you need to forgive. Somebody you need to ask their forgiveness. What is he asking you to do? Step out in faith and do it and watch God do what only he can do. If you say I don't know what the Lord is asking me to do, then you're not praying enough. You need to press in. You need to tune out of some things and put some distractions away and press into God because walking with God is living a life where he is leading us. He is putting things in our heart. He's asking us to take steps of faith. If you say, I have no idea, then it's, it's time to set some things aside and press into God and, and get some orders from God. And then what we need to do is we need to, especially if it's some sort of big step of faith like God asked Abraham to do, we need to start telling some other people. We need to start sharing what God's put on our heart. Receive either confirmation, direction, ask other people to pray. What is God putting on your heart tonight?